Welcome into Texans All Access, a Victory Tuesday, still reliving the hype from Sunday's win in Jacksonville. Joining me, Mark Vandermeer, Drew Doherty, also probably still hype from the win in Jacksonville. You guys, I know it's only, we're only week four, but it feels fantastic to have a victory week, does it not? I feel like it's been a minute. It has been a minute, and it feels terrific, and I want more of them. See, now I'm getting greedy. <laughs> I want so greedy. more, because the last Let's couple play. of years... You only got like one in every once in a while, right? Last year, weren't the Texans one in 11 or something at one point? One in 11? No, it's not happening this year. No. You got the first one at Jacksonville. You look pretty good doing it. So let's see what happens Sunday. Yeah, I was going to say, let's play at Jacksonville every week. I mean, it's just, that's your get well game yeah. since 2011. Oh, you know, you're... you've only lost there twice. It doesn't matter the, what you got. Even one bear. in London when you're technically at Jacksonville. It's, it's remarkable. And that was... Hey, you bring up the the one win and eleven tries last year or twelve tries. That was the win last year. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, this one was different though because all three phases, offense, defense, special teams, had massive, massive, multiple game changing plays. It was a fun, fun afternoon. I love when. Okay, so coming back from the game, and and if you ever want to feel like if you got need a little pick me up this week, listen to the Jags post game show. Uh, I was listening to it today. Oh, I don't no. know why. Because you know what? Sean Pendergast and Seth Payne were playing a little bit of it this morning. And I was oh, trying did. to find this poll that Mike Dempsey had put out there. He does the Jags postgame show. He's like, I just put out a poll for the for the fans. What was the most embarrassing part of, of the game? And then he had like three really awful things. And it was just such a horrendous poll that I just thought there was no positivity. They're just so down on themselves. I mean, it feels like this has just reshifted their entire thinking of mm. where they stand in the division. It's not like, oh, it's just one game. Let's just turn the page and move forward. Like, this has them shook. Like, they are shooketh after this game. And so we were, I, I was going back and I was listening to it. And and Drew had an excellent point. He was listening to, what was it, Drew? The in-stadium halftime yeah. show? They our, were our pal Brian Sexton yes. and Fred Taylor, you know, Jaguars great, probably going to be in the Hall of Fame at some point someday. But boy, as I, Mark, I don't know if you caught any of it because you're, no. you're working. But as the fans were booing the Jaguars into the locker room at the half, <laughs> they were unloaded like the, the in game was like, it doesn't look like they're ready. It doesn't look it looks like a oh. lack of preparation. I mean, I was like, whoa, can you imagine <laughs> Cecil and Drew doing that yeah. at halftime? Oh, my gosh. Can you the even I can't even fathom a world in which you would say about now, the team that you're there to cheer on. Like they just look like they haven't put in any effort. At now, listen, I've been the doing players that can hear them you know, up in the in the bowl for a decade. And I have and whether it's Chester, whether it's Cecil, we've seen a lot of of stinkers at the first half a mm -hmm, lot, mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. and you don't have to say, Hey, they're, they're playing. You don't have to like lie, but the, the, <laughs> the approach on our <laughs> end don't. is usually, okay, well, what do they need to do in the second yeah, half to, yeah. to get back in this? It's, you know, yeah, you, you can only do so much, but I don't know if you guys noticed, Mark, I know you noticed this, but at the start of that game, and I'm talking about 10, 15 minutes before that thing started hot, hot, hot day. And we're accustomed to, sparser crowds in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. That was not the case. That lower bowl was full. The mm -hmm. upper part of it, there were a few little, you know, patches here and there yeah. where there were some empty seats, but that was a full stadium. Mm. They were one and one. They were ready to rock. It's a division champ. They thought, all right, we're going to get one today. It's going to be a fun one. And man, by the like, second quarter, there were lots and lots of empty seats. And some of that was the heat, but I think a lot of that was the heat in combo with the Texans just beating them down.
Yeah, and Jacksonville's going through a tough time right now. Look, I'm not here to make people from Jacksonville feel better about their situation. If anything, I want them to feel worse. <laughs> Kidding, but here's the deal. You're not. right about the success of the Texans in Jacksonville. They are coming off the division championship. They raised ticket prices, which I get. They had success last year, and they probably haven't done it in a while. I don't know their whole history. But all this talk about the $2 billion they need to improve the stadium, they're not even really talking about new stadium. They're going to completely retrofit the Gator Bowl, which is what that used to be, and make mm-hmm. it even better. And I know they've done stuff to it over the years. I don't know what they'll do to the swimming pools. I would imagine chlorinate them better because they need to do that. They were a little murky looking, I guess, for <laughs> obvious reasons. You know what the funniest thing is? Everyone's seen the pools by now up in the upper deck. By the way, there were Texans fans in that pool, too. The traveling really? Texans traveled into that pool, <laughs> which to, I... Awesome. We got I, into the pool. <laughs> they were in the front. The they funniest thing the about the pool is during the <laughs> anthem, when you see people in their bathing suits standing in the water with their hands on their hearts, <laughs> standing up. Yeah, you're in, in the pool gross, for the gross anthem. gross water. And they're, they're three stories higher than you in a pool, and you can see their entire body. <laughs> and it's just kind of funny as they stand straight up for the anthem. It's just one of those things I just said, look, look over there, look at the pool. <laughs> <laughs> during the anthem. All right, so, but they, they are going through that locally. A lot of people don't want to see local funds go to that $2 billion that Shad Khan needs to make the stadium competitive. The CEO, president, whatever the franchise is out there in the community taking a lot of heat for this, and they're not winning. So that Ooh. combination is not good for them. If they were winning, you got a better sell, obviously, for this kind of stuff. And they spend a lot of time in London, so I don't know how that goes over with the locals. But here's the deal. It is early. Anything can happen. I'm just amazed. Trevor Lawrence, when he drops back to pass, I've said this before about certain quarterbacks in Texans history where I feel terrified as the announcer, like, oh, here here it is, third and six, and here comes Patrick Mahomes or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or whoever it is. I am not terrified of Trevor Lawrence. I know he did really well here in the game last year at NRG Stadium, but overall, Trevor Lawrence does not have a good record against the Houston Texans. What is he, one in four right now against the Texans? Mm-hmm. And... I was more nervous about what Travis Etienne was doing than Trevor Lawrence as far as that Jags ground game. And look, the Texans, it's not like they gave up. It's not like they were dead solid perfect against the run at all. They were giving up some yards on the ground, but nothing like last year. They're a lot better than they were. Uh, The Texans were better on third down offensively. They got better on third down defensively, and they obviously won the game going away by 20 at the end of it. I just thought it was tremendous how in all three phases, like, Special teams, defense, offense, like everybody had a complete game, which is is not what we saw the first two weeks, right? Week one, it was a, a, a great performance by the defense. The offense couldn't quite score. The second week, the defense wasn't there. C.J. Stroud had a great game in week two. And, and this week, it seemed like all three phases finally came together. And uh, C.J. Stroud is just bypassing all these records here mm. through just three games. According to ESPN, I saw this stat. DJ Enemy had a great story on C.J. Stroud earlier this week that after this week three outing, uh, Stroud is the first quarterback in NFL history to have at least 900 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, and zero interceptions in his first th- three career starts. I mean, mm. that's just... If any of us thought that that would be the case with C.J. Stroud, even the most optimistic C.J. Stroud fans, you'd be lying. Mm. And can I just say that after the game, in the post-game press conference, the live feed, I was reading the comments, and guess who got the most love after the game at Jacksonville? 
uh, the most love. So it's not Stroud? Is it's it actually, Tank? No, it was Lovey Smith. Oh, for winning <laughs> the, the fans, game against the Colts. Yes, because the the thing that made fans so angry this offseason yeah. after week 18 was the fact that the Texans and Lovey Smith won that final game in Indianapolis, putting you out of the Bryce Young sweepstakes. And then you get the number two pick. Drew and I have talked about this at length, and Drew brings up a good point that if you had the number one pick, you would not have traded up to number three to get Will Anderson, who's also, you saw the blocked field goal yep. that he had in Sunday's game. You've got Stroud and you've got Will Anderson. You look at the other quarterbacks that are drafted in the top five, Anthony Richardson not playing, Bryce Young not playing, C.J. Stroud putting up these sort of numbers. So there was a lot of love for Lovey Smith. And you know what? It was it was going to work out the way that it was meant to work out, as my mom always says. You know, it's just like that's the karma that's out there in the world. Like, it's going to happen the way it's meant to happen. I love so, your mom. Can you bring her on the show? My mom is very – my mom <laughs> knows nothing about football, but sometimes when I complain to her, she'll just, like, throw these wise things out there. And I'm like, okay, mom, but you don't understand, like, the number one prospect versus – but it, it, she no, was right. Like she was right. It all worked out. It all worked so far. So things far. you tell me that your mom says <laughs> are just brilliant and very wise, as you said. And I you think should hear what my mom says about the Astrodome, by the way. Oh what? It, oh yes, she's like it needs a whole cleansing. That a cleansing. Whole, a whole needs a, like sage. A lot of people would go a, a lot further than cleansing. <laughs> well, it's a version of sage in the Indian culture, and she's she. It involves hot red peppers being burnt. Oh really? Uh, yeah. The astrodome. <laughs> a lot okay. of bad juju or old juju, but anyway, I think with D'Amico Ryan's here. Uh, things have changed, and that brings me to my next big story of the day. I was watching Good Morning Football on NFL Network, and Peter Schrager named D'Amico Ryan's the uh, Coach of the Week. Coach of the Week! Coach of the Week. D'Amico right. Ryan's. That is great news. He deserves it. I thought the way he handled last week, whatever he did behind closed doors, and he talked about maybe the game plan needs to simplify a little bit, right, with all the injuries, let the guys fly around. He told me that on Friday during his pregame interview recording. Let the guys fly around, make plays. They flew around and make plays. There was that going on on defense, and you were dealing with an undermanned crew. Again, Jimmy Ward back, but you lose Derek Stingley Jr. You don't know the rest of the story. I thought they played very well under those circumstances, and hopefully you get Petrie back. You start getting some other guys back. Let's see where it goes. Yeah, that's a great choice for D'Amico Ryan's getting that that head coach of the week because look at who what was going on offense too mark brings up the defensive losses with stingley but you know this offensive line it, it took a lot of slings and arrows the first couple weeks because of who was not there and what was happening and then guys who i don't know how much they're going to start the rest of the way once everyone is healthy but that group that was out there on on sunday did an excellent job keeping stroud upright a lot of that you know uh a lot of that uh, praise is, you know, it belongs to Stroud as well for getting rid of the ball mm -hmm. in opportune times and making good, good choices. But yeah, we haven't, and I don't think we've shouted out enough what the offensive line was able to do, but man, I love what D'Amico's bit. It, he has been mouth to mouth resuscitation for this franchise <laughs> since the day oh. he was walking <laughs> through the offices, shaking our hands right outside our offices. Mm -hmm. Everything has flipped. 180 degrees and it's because of him it's because of him signing here and everything that's happened since all right who loved the you put the money in the bank on wednesday thursday friday you oh, cash out cash on sunday out, yeah. cash yeah. out i love cash out let's i feel like this can be a thing with let's, cash registers and ching ching should and, we yeah. integrate the cash me outside girl with this <laughs> or no is that a bad choice can someone make a remix of D'Amico saying that in the locker room and add a beat to it with 
her, some dollar signs. Like, that needs to be a thing. They keep doing this. The songs are coming. The songs are coming. The poetry, the haikus, <laughs> the signs, all of it, because this was fun and we want more of it. And I just, you know you have the right guy. Drew's right. You know you have the right guy. But wait, we just kind of passed through the C.J. Stroud uh, yes, yes, Avenue yes, yes. very quickly. No, no, we are going to spend a lot oh, more yeah, time yeah, on yeah. C.J. Well, yes. well, let, me, let me go back. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you aren't saying it, D.P. Mark, you're not saying this either. Nobody's nobody's throwing dirt on the graves, the NFL careers of uh, of Bryce Young no, or, right, or no, Richardson or anything. Nobody's saying close. that. They've got they might have long, fruitful careers. We're all in agreement. Yes, mm -hmm. but at we're this happy C.J. Stroud is our guy yeah. at quarterback. But yeah, it's Lovey Smith. You know, he he got that the the booze and the the all the the scorn when when they won the game last year. But what did you expect? If you know anything at all about professional athletes and professional <laughs> coaches, it's in their DNA. Yeah. It's how they're wired. They're not going to, if you're out there and you're active, you're not going to go out there and just kind of tank and take it easy. Right. That does not happen. That's not a realistic thing to think about. Now, up at the tippy top where guys control who's active and who's playing and who's on the team, then you can maybe say those things. But that was not the case last year. And so, you can't get mad at a team and you can't get mad at a guy for going out and doing what they're supposed to do, which is they want to win. And that's what they did. And I do think the football gods will reward you for that. Think about 2010. And I've said this many, many times to you guys, Texans go into that final game of the year, week 17 at home against the Jaguars who had beaten them earlier in the year. And if the Jaguars won that game, they go to the playoffs. I'm pretty sure they maybe maybe needed one or two things to happen, but it wasn't, an improbable circumstance. Texans were five and 10 and they're probably going to pick around sixth in the draft. If they lose that game and finish five and 11, what they do, they won. So they fall down to 11th in the draft. So instead of likely taking Alden Smith or maybe Patrick Peterson, if, if he was available, he would have been a good pick, but instead of probably taking Patrick Smith, who a lot of people wanted, cause it was an a, a outside linebacker, good oh, pass Alden rusher. Smith, yeah. The Texans were, had to settle with JJ Watt. Now yeah. I'm not saying settle. it's all linear, but it's just one of those things like, yeah, at the time it doesn't look cool, but it works out and it worked out in spades with JJ Watt coming here. Speaking of which JJ Watt will be coming here again on Sunday legends yeah. game presented by legends homecoming presented by Ford along with the JJ Watt ring of honor ceremony at halftime, which by the way, Drew's got a great story about that 2011 Post-draft, J.J.'s very first visit after being drafted by the Texans to the stadium, his first impressions. We've got Watt Week on HoustonTexans.com. And J.J. Watt's been pretty um, pretty vocal about D'Amico Ryans as well and, and how much he's really enjoying watching this team. Speaking of enjoying watching this team, can I just say that whenever D'Amico and the team, whenever anyone has a great play, seeing him, like, celebrating with the coaches yep. and the coordinators and chest mm -hmm. bumping with Frank Ross on the sideline, like... I tweeted during the game, like, I'll never get sick of seeing that. And I had oh. so many people, like, quote, tweeting and retweeting because that's actually one of the things that some of the players had been saying after the game, that they loved looking to the sideline and seeing all the juice. I, I think Jimmy Jimmy Ward was saying it. He said, sometimes you just want to hear other people get excited, yep. not just the guys in your position group. You want to see other guys come and, you know, give you a little bit of motivation and just seeing, like, everybody celebrating, especially after. And I know, you know, we had Andrew Beck on um Texans huddle but seeing the reaction of every single oh, yeah. player and coach on the sideline for that play like 
that was that had to have been the turning point, right? Because I think for the Jags, that might actually be the turning point of like their existential mini crisis that they're having here. Because mm-hmm. I think they're really um, struggling now to find refine their identity. The Colts won at Baltimore. Yep. In overtime. Yeah. Now the Jags have to go for a really tough stint in London. Two back to back games there. Mm-hmm. Then I think they come home and then they have a a buy. Yeah. Like it's a it's it's gonna be a, a grind these next few weeks for them. I know we've been a little bit all over the place here, but why not? We're having it's fun. Tuesday it's Tuesday. It's, it's getting also later me. in the I've, evening. I've got a lot of thoughts in my head today. But the Jags Drew alerted me to this that during the da- Jags Friday press conferences, Doug Peterson is being asked questions about London. And he needed to shut that down fast. Wait a minute, we're playing the Texans. London can wait. We got a game Sunday. But the media was, eh, the Texans, come on, we're the defending AFC South champions. It's a division game. You can never think you're going to roll the ball out in the NFL. Not that the Jags thought that, but the media thinking that is a big mistake. Have you? Are you new here? This is the NFL where anything can happen. And I'm not so sure this was a anything-can-happen kind of game. The Texans are getting better in front of our very eyes, learning how to play. We talked about the Stroud effect here. Who knows where it's going? This is a tremendous start, like you said, a historic start for a quarterback. I'll say this. There were throws he made in camp, and even OTAs, I remember one two-minute situation, and I might have mentioned this on a show before, where I said to Johnny, we're watching practice, I said, that's a rookie. He Two-minute situation, bang, 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 got him into field goal range or whatever, scored, did what they needed to do in the situation that was presented in practice. I said, that's a rookie. Well, a few times on th- Sunday, I thought, that's a rookie? That's a rookie making these <laughs> plays? Okay, hitting Tank on the deep ball early, and Tank talked about it. We wanted to announce that we are here to go. Coach Slow, the, the, the synergy is starting to really come together with the offensive players. Coach Slow, Bobby Sloak, offensive coordinator. You can feel the vibe really improving here. I love seeing it. Love seeing some of these throws. Stroud sees the game in a way most rookies do not. So let's keep this thing going. I know it's still only three games in, but, and I love those big plays that he's making, but how encouraged are you guys? Because I think we've been brainwashed around here and, and uh, shocked into some sort of Stockholm syndrome or whatever it is when it's third and eight or no, when it's like first and 15 after a penalty, it's like, ah, damn it. It's going to be yeah. like, it's going to be a yeah. third and 19 before we know it. And we're yeah. going to, we're going to do a draw up the middle. Well, when it's first and 15 now, it's not as big a deal. The Texans overcame oh, a no. few of those. And you Throw don't want it and the get penalties. it. Yeah. You don't want the penalties. But they've been overcoming that. And mm-hmm. that even in the losses, they've been doing that. It's been refreshing to see. And like I said, it's still a small sample size. So I am i don't want to get too uh, accustomed to it. But they don't get down and they don't just kind of throw, throw in the towel. when it, and, and I'm not saying the other teams did, but uh, in the past around here, these offenses have gotten very, very conservative or they've just not been able to overcome these little deficits, these setbacks, these adversities that they get on a micro level, you know, within drives. I mean, I think just having your one starter on the offensive line would be enough to see your quarterback struggle, especially Mm -hmm. a rookie quarterback like CJ, but you've got, Four different starters on the offensive line. The only stalwart is your right guard. Yeah. You know, and you've got Laramie Tunsil missing his second straight game. You just think this is going to be a tough situation for him. He's got to get the ball out quick. He's got to process things faster. But, you know, when you listen to how he addresses it after the game, it's 
he always takes it upon himself. Like I've got to get the ball out quicker. Yeah. And and even in not taking us, the fact that the offensive line did not give up a single sack mm-hmm. with that the the offensive line. Like you've got a lot of guys like second and third on the depth chart that are stepping up and really protecting CJ. He also understands. He said, "I have to help those guys out. Like I have to get rid of the ball quicker. Like I have to do my job better so that they can help me." I mean, I think he sort of sees it from not just his perspective. It's not an excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I have to get the ball out quicker because you know my O line is. It's not the starters that you know that should be there protecting for me. That's what I have found the most impressive. And he takes every single win and he you know tries to get better from it even the losses he's been trying to improve steadily if the run game's not going you know he just figures out how he can overcompensate or or come up with a way to win he compares it a lot to just the pressure he faced at Ohio State yeah and he he mentioned it after the game that he talked to Ryan Day and he said you know at Ohio State like I know it's college versus the NFL, but he said, you know, you're expected to win every single week. Yes. And if it's a lesser opponent, you're expected to win by a lot. And so the pressure was always there. And I don't think he ever walked into that situation at Jacksonville and thought, okay, we're down all of these O-linemen. We're down like all these starters on defense. And, you know, I'm we're coming in as like over a touchdown underdogs to the defending champs building. And, and he delivered and he had a, a phenomenal game. And I think that's the most exciting thing to watch about him. And I think he, everyone just feeds off that, that energy that he has, that he, that winner's mentality that he has. It's a different context now, obviously, in the pro level, but it's pressure, right? Pressure is pressure. And it might be for different reasons, like you said, a different context because you're expected to win by so much at Ohio State. Man, his press conferences, I'm going to give him the trophy right now. He is the GOAT in terms <laughs> of Texans quarterbacks <laughs> at the podium. At the podium. Yeah. I've mad respect for the guys who have come before him, right, to play the position here in this building. But there's something about his press conferences where it's must-see TV. I want to hear what he has to say. It's motivational to me to hear him talk about how he's going through this whole process of becoming an effective professional quarterback and, like you said, getting better every week. The way he puts it, the way he says it, the fact that my son is sending me clips from (laughs) C.J. Stroud because he's motivated by him, that has it happened before but there's something about him at the podium I'll give him that those goat horns already the good goat horns for being the best <laughs> at the podium now we got to see it on the field continue to grow and blossom and all that I'm just talking about his press conferences right now yeah it's been fun and you know you guys touched on it just a moment ago the synergy with Slowick and all those guys right after he was drafted in Kansas City you know he came through he had this walk across uh, to the, the media center and then I, I got to go one-on-one with him and with Willie Anderson and I don't remember what I asked him, but he immediately, okay, he's been a Texan for about six minutes and he had visited obviously with the team and knew about him, but he immediately started talking about, Hey, I'm really excited to get going with coach Slowick, coach laser, coach Gerard Johnson. Like he, wow. he named the entire quarterback room and all those components and started getting like detail specific. So yeah, it's been really refreshing. Like, like you're talking about Mark hearing what he says, hearing the purpose he has behind it. He's very, very consistent. And what's the thing that, that D'Amico Ryans is, and all coaches really are, are preaching? Hey, you want consistency. Well, he's bringing it up in his press conferences. He's been doing it in the games. And most importantly, he's been consistent about getting better and correcting mistakes. And he has taken steps. It's been clear week one to week two to week three, he has kept 
getting better. So mm-hmm. what's uh, what's up next in week four? That's what I want to see. Can't wait. All right. Can't wait. We've got more Texans all access on the way. Of course, we've got more CJ Stroud talk. I'm going to get these guys sleepers because there were a lot of big playmakers in Sunday's game. We haven't done sleepers of the game in a while. Who do you think really stood out? Plus, we are going to go around the NFL and other teams. Number two overall pick. Joe Namath has suggestions on what that team should do with him. It's all coming up on Texans all access. Back with more Texans All Access. We've got a fun week planned. We've got J.J. Watt going to be in the building. Lots of legends. Uh, D'Amico Ryans, you guys, I know earlier we talked about it. Coach of the Week, NFL Network. So mm-hmm. let's let's roll that clip. Peter Schrager talking about the Texans head coach and what he was able to do on Sunday. My pick for Coach of the Week for Week 3, D'Amico Ryans of the Houston Texans. The Texans were down four different offensive linemen on Sunday, yet went into Jacksonville on the road into a division champions building, and D'Amico Ryans and the Texans found a way to win. They put up their most points in two seasons. They had an offensive outpouring from their quarterback, C.J. Stroud, but the defense also silenced Trevor Lawrence. D'Amico Ryans, first year as a coach, in the first two games saw the offensive line just get riddled with injuries. And yet, here comes Houston, a game that nobody had predicted, and they storm the Jaguars in their building. Guys like Tank Dell, guys like C.J. Stroud, and on defense, guys like Shaquille Griffin stepping up. Take a look at this. This is all starting offensive linemen who all were expected to be day one guys who are not able to begin to play. Laramie Tunzel, a Sunday inactive because of a knee injury. And yet, C.J. Stroud was well protected, and he's off to the best start of all the rookie quarterbacks. D'Amico Ryans, of course, came from the Houston Texans as a player, worked for the San Francisco 49ers as a defensive coach, and is now the head coach of the Houston Texans. D'Amico, we see you. He got the game ball from the owner, Cal McNair. Gets the game of the, the coach of the week ball from us here on Good Morning Football. Good stuff from Peter Schrager and NFL Network this morning. D'Amico Ryan's coach of the week. I don't think that I, I, I should have had a count on how many times on the broadcast they talked about how many injuries the Texans had mm-hmm. <laughs> for this game. I mean, they said how many, the highest number of players on IR, all the starters that were out. I think, you guys, who was the guy that you feel like I don't know if we should even take Andrew Beck out of the situation. We'll leave him in there. But, okay, aside from Beck, who is the guy that you feel like really shined in a game that maybe no one else expected him to? Blake Cashman. Blake Cashman, I think there were less expectations of him, but there shouldn't have been because we've been watching him in camp. And then he got hurt, and so a lot of people missed him. Sean made the point, Sean Pendergast on the Sports Radio 610 Morning Program, made the point that maybe he got hurt before the fans started showing up at camp. I'm not so sure. I think he lasted a little longer. But whatever the case is, he was making plays in camp. And he would pick off Stroud. He would knock down a ball. He would have a would-be sack from time to time. He was really busy. And Johnny was talking about how fast he was in our training camp shows. He's, He's faster than you think. The guy timed out incredibly well at the Combine for his position group and all of that. Well, in the game... He shows up and he's making plays on a day where you're getting thinner at linebacker. You don't have Denzel Perriman, and we know what's happened with the linebackers overall this preseason into the regular season. So I thought he was a massive breath of fresh air with the pick, with the fumble recovery. That was good. And Eric Murray, too, while I'm at it, who had the hit that jarred the ball loose from Agnew. How about Eric Murray? Because he was in the concussion protocol briefly, and early in the week it looked like, oh, he can play. That was key for the safeties with no Petrie and with Jimmy Ward coming back. I think the biggest Good call on Cashman because yeah. he was he was also he was in this defense under Robert Sala before he was traded to the Texans. And then when he you know when D'Amico got in and his crew got to got a hold of 
who they were going to have personnel-wise. They got Cashman. They said, listen, you're focusing on this spot and this spot only. And they didn't move him around at, at different spots around the linebacking core like he had been doing here. So good call. I'm going to go with Shaquille Griffin. Mm. Shaq Griffin. That's a great choice, yeah. With, with Stingley going down, he he started. He had a lot of use in the game at Jacksonville. That game meant a lot to him because he was a captain for the Jaguars two years ago. And then he had the back injury. They said, thank you, but we're moving on. And the Texans, Shaq Griffin said, hey, the Texans took a chance on me and I'm going to forever be grateful. And so mm. what I was able to do today, it's meaningful. And he had a, you know, he had a hand in, in that game. And that was somebody that, you know, the Jaguars, I saw one Jaguars writer before the game say, okay, this is going to be somebody they can pick on. It'll be a, a, a real spot for the Jags to win and exploit. And, and it was not, it did not turn out to be the case. So I'm going to go with Shaq Griffin. He also led the team in tackles, Yeah, led the defense, yeah, yeah. 10 tackles. So uh, I'm going to go with a guy who we had kind of stopped talking about over the past year or so, Brevin Jordan. Yeah. We saw him sort of come back with that, with the touchdown catch. And I feel like CJ Stroud was so happy for him. Just talking about, he's my guy, Brev and, and the amount of respect that Jordan has for CJ. I've, it, we in camp, we were not really sure what the future of Brevin Jordan might be. We said yep. Dalton Schultz. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of new tight ends in this group, and and Brevin really struggled last year. There was a lot of excitement around him. He started off the season injured, came back, was injured again, just really couldn't get things going. But to see him out there, I don't know if that's you know how it's going to be from here on out. If he's going to catch a touchdown every game. Probably not every single game if we're being realistic, but just to see him back out there and involved in the offense, yeah. I was really happy to see that because he's a great guy. He's, he's been a lot of fun to get to know in the locker room, and I, I feel like he's been going through it the last few years, but to see him really you know, battle through that adversity and, and catch a touchdown catch, I was really happy for him. I was thrilled for him, and yeah. I feel like there are a lot of guys like that on this team where the best ability is availability, right? If they're healthy, they're making plays. He's one of those players. If he's healthy, he's making plays. If he's in the offense, especially this offense for him, seems like a good fit. Had the catch against the Colts. And then when he shows up in the end zone, I thought, okay, here we go, Brevin Jordan. Schultz has not blossomed the way you want yet in this offense. There's plenty of time to get that done. Don't get me wrong. And Stroud is very quick to credit Dalton Schultz for being a big help to him, just as he acclimates to being a professional quarterback. Schultz has been very helpful in an off-field and on-field kind of way. It doesn't show up in the stat sheet necessarily, but I think it's showing up in Stroud's stats for the mental effect anyway. But as far as the tight end group goes, you're right. Because during camp, Mason Shrek is making plays and Brevin's not healthy and you have Schultz and Catoriano's coming back eventually. Yeah. Then he does come back. You're thinking, is he going to fit into this mix? Well, now he's in the mix and we'll see where it goes. Again, only week three. Hey, 17 games, guys are going to get hurt. Some guys are going to have to sit. You know, I, I don't know how the league's going to handle this if we ever get to 18 games, but it's such a longer season. I know it's only one game. It just feels longer for these players. And just be prepared to have your depth tested often, like the Texans are at the beginning of the campaign. Just wait till they get everybody back. Now, other guys might get hurt, whatever. You hope not. But they're handling it well so far. You're one and two. Hey, you're still in this thing. I was really hoping the Ravens might Gosh, Justin Tucker, 61 <laughs> yards for you is like, it's like a two foot putt for me. Let's go. Maybe one and a half foot hey, putt. The Colts DB, kicked so DB, many DB, field goals. Had, yes. Uh -huh. You had, you have Brevin Jordan because of the touchdown pass. You know what he also did? He was the first guy there to congratulate Andrew Beck after the mm. kickoff. Oh, he was. Touchdown. You know first what? First guy there. <laughs> so it was a good day. You he know, was happy for his guy. Mm -hmm. he, he is 
he is such a fun guy to be around. And speaking of the Andrew Beck, I was going to bring up Drew's vantage point mm. of the Andrew Beck uh, touchdown. If you've seen it on Instagram, go to Instagram. The Houston Texans have a clip of a fantastic end zone shot of Andrew Beck running all the way down the field. It's ca- It was captured by our very own Drew Doherty on the field. And mm-hmm. if you don't believe me, just turn up the volume because you can actually hear him say, oh, Andrew Beck. Yeah. yeah. Let me explain that. You got Let some audio that. there, Drew. Okay. I was like, wow, and they not, left I'm it not, in. I'm not ashamed of it, but I just want people to know the context. So mm-hmm. I interviewed Andrew Beck at the VA hospital back in May, and he did this awesome event reading to veterans, hanging out with veterans. And I was doing this interview with him in a hallway, and it's like a T. And we we're sitting at the intersection of the T doing this interview. And all of a sudden he kind of, his eyes kind of start darting off to the side and he's looking off to the periphery, like a weirdo. And I'm thinking to myself, what is this guy doing? Cause I didn't know him. And then I hear this beeping and this like, beep, boop, boop. it sounded like y'all's um, D'Amico Ryan's injury <laughs> translator. translator. Yeah. And I <laughs> turned to my left, like we stopped the interview and I turned to my left and there was an actual robot that dispenses medicine and we were in the way and it didn't know what to do. So he's like, <laughs> Man, I didn't know there was a robot in a hospital. So we had a good, <laughs> good interview with him. He he was having fun. And then I'm shooting this video, and it's pure sunshine. because And you can't see the screen, really, but I can kind of tell, like, the, I'm following the action. And then there's a, and there's a clump of people. And then when he breaks free and there's all this real estate as he's running towards the sideline, I say, oh, Andrew Beck, <laughs> thinking he's going to get about 30, 40 yards out of this. And the Texans will be set up at midfield. And then he keeps, he breaks like two more tackles and hurdles and I'm shooting it with my right hand. And as he gets to about the 15 yard line, I'm pointing at him and just like, I've got these big eyes and the the sidelines going bananas behind him. I mean, there's a zillion stories about each player and coach. I think Mm. Bobby Sloak hurdled the the, the kicker that got, you know, like (laughs) that flew out of bounds. It was so much fun. It was such a, a game change it sucked the entire air out of that stadium because they had closed within seven built the texans lead back up to 14 and they were never within single digits again i mean who had any prop bets on a fullback running 85 yards for a touchdown it wasn't even supposed to go when he muffed that kickoff i was just (laughs) like what is and he scooped it up it was just i can't even imagine from your vantage point if you could see from overhead what was happening i i hope somebody puts together a collage of all the pictures of what everybody's doing because we have one of John yeah. Harris with an Andre Hell. I think it was a pick six. Where yep. He's like jumping and pointing. I'm sure someone, Drew's got a oh, picture of you pointing. I have so much audio on this. You could do a 30 for 30 on the Andrew yeah. Beck yeah. kickoff return. A whole documentary of it. Now, if the Texans go on to do some big things this year, we'll see how big or what happens. This could be traced as an embryonic moment <laughs> that ignited the entire. Let's not get carried away here. It you was joke, very cool. But it could. You joke, but it could. Well, I mean, if, they, if good things do happen. Johnny yeah. automatically asked Andre and I whether this was the most unusual Texans touchdown we had ever seen or somebody who scored that you would least expect scoring. And it's right up there in a way that they scored. Yes, a fullback running for a touchdown on a kick return. That is bizarro world for sure. You know, I go back to Kevin Walter's special teams touchdown, falling on a fumble or recovering it and into the end zone in Carolina week 207. And things like that were unusual. 
But this was wild, especially the yeah. context, like you pointed out, Drew. They're within seven. You've got to respond. I was eager to see how CJ going to respond here. Here's our rookie quarterback in a situation where he's got to move the ball and get at least a field goal, make it a two-score game again. Well, he didn't have to do that right away, did he? Eventually, he'd find Tank Dell on that third and three long 68-yard pass. That was awesome as well. I feel a 30 for 30 coming in your future, Mark. Yes. Most improbable Texans touchdowns. Sure. I want to see we'll it happen. a whole series. It's a whole series. All right. We're going to take a break. We come back. One final segment. We're going to go around the NFL. It's coming up on Texans All Access. Final segment of Texans All Access. Underway. Got Mark Van Rear back with me. And we usually go around the NFL. Mark, I don't know. I guess if you're living under a rock... You might have missed that Taylor Swift was at the Chiefs game. Oh, my gosh. You know what? It You need to weigh in on this, all right? <laughs> I, I know do you have, more than anybody else. <laughs> but, but the thing is, it, it's funny. I'm explaining it to non-football people, <laughs> you know, what the significance is. Let me get your take on this because you and I have not discussed this on the air. No, we have or, not. Or anywhere. No. My take is that for Taylor, this is so funny because this, this she this hijacks so everything, doesn't she? This is she? so you, though. I know you're secretly in, uh, enjoying this and loving it. I, I am because she's <laughs> one of the biggest pop stars in the world, if not the biggest, however you want to rank her. She's yes. huge. She's yes. bigger than she than he is yes. on a global level, of course, and even on a national level. She's far bigger than Travis Kelsey. As big as he is in our world, she's even bigger. Bigger. But mm -hmm. I think this is cool for her because she gets to be his girlfriend. She just gets to be a girlfriend and walking around Arrowhead Stadium and being in the suite and things like that and just rah-rah, touchdown and all of that. I, I'm happy for her that she gets to have this moment. Now, I don't know how long it lasts, where it's going, what's going to happen. Who knows? I just think it's funny and fun and why not? It's good for everybody. I think it's good for her because a lot of football fans are noticing her. They know who she is, but maybe they're taking more note of her. And non-football fans, the Kelsey jersey sales, the jerseys 400%. for percent flying off the shelves. <laughs> and a lot of people are, who's Travis Kelsey? Because he's not the most famous player in the league, but he's a well-known player. Yeah, he didn't he have a reality dating show many years back? Yeah, he's... He was bad. Anyway, hopefully she doesn't pull up that footage, but I saw this entire uh, debate on Good Morning Football because I think the football guys were like, oh, this is great for her. She gets to be, and I'm like, no, no, no. You're going to make the Swifties mad because I think she brings football to a different audience. Like, that's how I see oh, it. Oh, yeah. I think it's like, you're going to have all these Swifties that are so clever. Like, they solve puzzles to figure out track names. They're always reading clues into everything. Mm -hmm. Like, you get their perspective and their lens on football. Like, they even broke down Travis Kelsey's outfit pregame. He was wearing this, like, denim on denim, like... Oh, they did? Yeah, it was like a tie-dye, light blue, white, cloudish looking outfit. And they were like, oh, well, this has to be a nod to Taylor's, I think it was the 1989 album. So I am enjoying that. I love seeing the crossover of Swifty fans, which I think we think teenage girls, but it's really everybody. Everybody is a Taylor Swift fan. Yep. I like seeing that juxtaposed with football fans. Yeah. Because... She is now bringing light to a game that a lot of people wouldn't watch normally. If you've seen on social media, by the way, there's all these teenage girls cheering when they show her in the press box right. during the game. Sure. And then they show Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey and all these players on the field mouthing like, oh, crap, basically, when they notice that she's in the press box watching them. Like, everyone is 
Even if you're not a fan of our music, you are in awe of the fact that Taylor Swift was They're that all game. asked about it in the post game. Can you imagine if they had lost that game to the Bears somehow? <laughs> There's they, no way they were going to lose. Right, but they'll play <laughs> another game this year, assuming they're still together, and she'll be in the press box, and they might lose, and then I want the questions about Taylor Swift. Being a distraction. Oh, yeah, that'll be awesome. <laughs> they'll handle that so well. It, the only thing better, and Belichick even had a great the, answer about it. I was just going to say, even he was... He was so complimentary. But what if it was Tom Brady back in the day and they were asking him (laughs) about it related to their team? That would have been fun to see Belichick. One of the McCourty twins who knows Belichick says, I think that Belichick, and I thought this was an interesting take. He said, I think that he has a lot of respect for Taylor Swift, just the talent and how she's the greatest at what she does. She writes her music. If you, I saw her, I'm not a big Swifty. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I respect what she does. I I did watch her documentary though on Netflix. I did too. Like you, okay. So how hard, yes, how hard she works. And you know, they're, bring up the point that game respects game like he saw her concert she sang for five straight hours yep like he is just a fan of greatness so you know maybe it's different because it's t-swift yeah i am too i like seeing how the great ones do their thing and we just had beyonce in here for two nights in the stadium and she's a great one and taylor swift is a great one and she blew it up here and great for all of them but it's fun stuff it's gossip but it's fun gossip. Sometimes this kind of stuff can be enjoyable. Sometimes we can have fun with it. All right, we teased it earlier on in the show, but another number two pick in the NFL. Joe Namath has thoughts on what the Jets should do with Zach Wilson. Mark, what do you think about well, this one? Saying they should trade Zach Wilson. Let me let me imagine <laughs> who, how this phone call. Yes. How is this phone call going to go? We'd like to trade Zach Wilson to you. Really? Why? Well, he's good. Give me a good pick for him. Well, if he's so good, why aren't you using him? <laughs> well, he's not that good. We don't want him. What could they get for Zach Wilson right now? Basically, he's saying they got to get rid of him somehow. He's not doing them any favors. I see a lot of Zach Wilson defenders out there. Look, I have not watched every stitch of Jets football this year. I saw the opening game, of course. But to me, I think they got to make life a little bit easier for them. The funny thing is this. All right, so Nathaniel Hackett, despite the fact that, yes, the Jets wanted them because of Aaron Rodgers, it wasn't going well last year in Denver with him as the head coach. Mm. We all know that. We all know what Sean Payton said about him. We can get to that later. But Nathaniel Hackett, all of a sudden, he's the offensive coordinator for Zach Wilson. Is this the best system for Zach's skills, right? It might be good for Rodgers, and Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks ever. Zach Wilson is not. Who would be better for Zach Wilson? What kind of system? I don't know the answers to these questions, but the Jets are in a situation where they're forced to use him. I'm surprised they haven't picked anybody yet. Yet It has taken this long for them to do it. So I'll be eager to see how they handle things down the stretch. Their defense is still good, but you put so much pressure on them with a quarterback like Zach Wilson who's not effective. I, don't, I just think it's such a horrible – he should not be weighing in on it. Like so publicly, what if Zach Wilson turns around and has a great game next week? I mean, yeah, I'm not maybe. saying it's going to happen, but you know, you've got like Carson Wentz out there, you got Matt Ryan, you got all these quarterbacks sort of vying for that spot. What if you bring in another guy and he's no better? Here's the thing: Zach Wilson is supremely talented. So is C.J. Stroud. And look, I'm not going to you know spike the ball yet here, but through three games, I love what I'm seeing out of C.J. Stroud. When my quarterback says stuff like pressure is a privilege sign me up for that guy right (laughs) he is a student of the game i love listening to him he's motivational for me right i'm not saying zach wilson lacks all of that but i'm not hearing it from him i don't follow him as closely obviously but some guys get better some guys learn some guys improve some guys don't 
I mean, Zach Wilson came into this league with a boatload of talent. They're all talented. I always say this. Who's going to get better from where they were in college? They all have to get better. Clearly, C.J. Stroud is getting better. This is not the same situation he had in college. You know, we have the Ohio State line in front of you, and you're playing a lot of opponents who are inferior, let's be honest. You have those outstanding wide receivers. Not that the Texans receivers aren't good, but this is a different situation. You're dealing with four out of your five linemen out. You're dealing with a situation where you're getting acclimated to a new system here for this team, and he's responding brilliantly he has really upped his game, and he continues to do so. He's got an ethic to do it, and maybe certain guys don't have that. Maybe Zach Wilson doesn't have that. I don't know, but you're not seeing the results anyway. I mean, I think it's going to be a test in the next few weeks. I mean, either, one of two things is going to happen. One, he's going to continue on this streak of not playing well, and he's going to continue to have to hear about it. Or two, it's going to galvanize the locker room and the teammates and everyone that said he's our quarterback and we're sticking with him, which Robert Sala was very vocal about after Aaron Rodgers went down with the injury. So I think that you're going to have to wait and see the next week or two to see which direction it's going to go. I, I still think it's early. I think there's a fork in the road. Which way is it going to go? Uh, only time will tell. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to stay tuned to see what happens with the Jet saga. I like, though, where the Texans are with C.J. Stroud, I say we just continue on this path, Mark. Yeah, and I wish we beat the Colts. Didn't do it because the Colts beat the Ravens, right? Mm. They got them in overtime. Could have, would have, should have for the Ravens. They are a sheep in wolf's clothing, man. Always. Yeah, yeah. a sheep and a wolf a and sheep? sheep. No, it's uh, the other the, way around. Oh, the Jags. Are the Jags a sheep in wolf's clothing? They could and be. And the Colts are a wolf in sheep's clothing? I don't know. I, I don't know how much longer this can go with Minshew. You know, everybody's got tape now, full game. That is also true. Uh, the Ravens slowed them down for sure, but the Ravens have their own issues. They had a lot of guys out. They couldn't execute in the crunch, all of that. That, that was a very winnable game for Baltimore. Couldn't get it done. Now the Rams will visit the Colts. Look, it's I'm not scoreboard watching, but I always follow the other AFC South teams. You know that. It's going to be exciting to watch. And then we've got John Harris, who we're still living up the good moments from Sunday's game against the Jags. He's got Texans matchup with a special segment on J.J. Watt, because as we all know, Ring of Honor ceremony on Sunday, okay. Legends Homecoming presented by Ford when the Texans hold host the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's coming up on Sunday. Check out HoustonTexans.com slash tickets to get your tickets. That's going to do it for Texans All Access. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, go Texans.